You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. can't find a scripture to tell you where to live, what job to take. There are a lot of decisions in life that you just don't have a specific scripture. That is why we have passages like James chapter 4 confronting us with independent planning, making decisions in life without considering the Lord. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. Are you facing difficult life decisions? In today's message from Pastor Danny, he explains that you won't always have a specific scripture to tell you what you need to do. You might not get confirmation on where to live or what job to have based off of a scripture. However, Pastor Danny does encourage you that you should always turn to the Lord for his guidance. Don't ever make difficult life decisions without first acknowledging the Lord. In the end, you want his will for your life, so be sure to ask him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of James chapter four with today's edition of The Living Word. What is slander? Here's a pretty good definition. It's a false tale or report maliciously uttered and tending to injure the reputation of another. But I will also suggest that it can be something that you indeed believe about a person, but it's not the truth. You believe this about them, and so you begin to mouth off what you believe, but you don't really know the truth. Jesus was, of course, slandered. King David was slandered. I, as a pastor, have been slandered on more than one occasion. Maybe you've been slandered. It's one thing to be slandered. It's another thing to slander. You know what the original slander recorded in the Bible was? The original slander. Let me give you the verse. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the forbidden fruit... And the serpent, the devil, comes to Eve, and here's what he says. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What's the devil doing? He's slandering God Almighty. He's questioning the integrity of God himself. What did James say? When you judge the law, you're not keeping it in connection with slander, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. What did Satan want? He wanted to be God. Scripture tells us that. He says, I'll ascend to the throne. I'll be God. And he's acting like God in what he says to Eve. He's slandering. Let me rephrase that. He's acting like God by making this kind of statement. Here's the deal. 
When someone slanders, they put themselves in the place of God. You judge and you automatically condemn based on what you believe about the person and what you're saying about the person. Here's what Romans 14, 4 says. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Slander. So we've got fighting and quarreling, and we've got slander. But there's one more issue to deal with before we wrap it up today. Chapter 4 of James, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And then he wraps, I think, all this up with this one statement. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. This third one, here's what I call it, independent planning. And when you think about this, we ought to think about what Scripture tells us. And the first is this. Every human being is accountable to God. Every one of us. Romans 14, written primarily to believers, but the principle is backed up in other scriptures. Romans chapter 14, verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Written primarily to Christians. But now let me read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Every single human being will stand before God one day and give an account. Believers at what's called the judgment seat of Christ and unbelievers at the great white throne judgment. Talked about in the book of Revelation at the end. Hebrews 9.27 simply says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And it's going to be here in a flash. Because life is brief. The psalmist, Psalm 39, here's what he writes. Verse 4, show me, O Lord, my life's sin and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You've made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. Jesus told a parable in Luke 12 about a guy who hit it big. And when he hit it big, here's what he said. I'm going to build bigger barns and store my loot in these barns, and I'm going to retire early. That's the loose paraphrase, but that's basically what he's saying. And I'm going to live it up. And God says to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be required of you. He had no idea that when he's saying this, this is his last day alive on planet Earth. Life is brief. Did you know that God wants to guide 
each one of us personally in life. He does. Let me tell you a couple of quick stories. 2 Samuel chapter 6 tells the story of King David, and it's, from what I understand, uh, one of the first things he did after he became king. And that is go and capture the Ark of the Covenant, which has been in enemy hands for years, and bring it to its rightful place back into Jerusalem. He goes and captures the Ark, and on the way into Jerusalem, uh, the band is playing, everybody's excited. The ark is on a cart being pulled by oxen. Uh, one of the guys walking beside the ark is named Uzzah. And as he's walking beside the ark and everybody's excited, but the oxen stumble. And when the oxen stumble, Uzzah, motivated uh, out of good motive, uh, he reaches out to steady the ark when the oxen stumble and God takes his life. You better know the band stopped. David's mouth is hanging wide open, and the Bible says David was angry with the Lord for taking Uzzah's life. But we know David went away, and he thought about it, and he meditated on what in the world could have gone so wrong. And he came to realize it was his mistake and their mistake, but he's the king. He's the main leader. Let me read you. From 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 13, David's discovery of why Uzzah lost his life. 1 Chronicles 15, verse 13, David is speaking to the Levites, and he says, It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. Only the Levites were to have responsibility for the ark, and it was never to be on a cart and never pulled by oxen. There were poles specifically designed and ringlets on each side of the ark that the poles were put through and the Levites were to carry this most holy piece of furniture. And it's because their steps were not ordered by the Lord that Uzzah lost his life. But when you look at the overall pattern of David's life, I can tell you this from Scripture. He learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. If you'd like to follow with me, 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 1, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But his men aren't so confident. Look at verse 3. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah we're afraid. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? So David once again inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah, for I am giving the Philistines into your hand. And the men were reassured, and David and his men go, and they indeed win a great victory against the Philistines. 1 Samuel chapter 30. David and his men have gone off, and then they come back from their trip. And when they get back to where they're camping and where they've settled for this period of time called Ziklag, it was a tragic discovery. 
the Amalekites had come and raided Ziklag, captured, kidnapped all of the wives and children, and burned Ziklag. You're David or any of his men, what's your first natural impulse? Get on your donkey, let's go get those guys and rescue our family. And even though that's a natural impulse, that's not what David immediately does. Verse 7, 1 Samuel 30. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring the ephod. That was one of the instruments that they used to discern the will of God. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. 2 Samuel chapter 2. Boy, does this get practical. Chapter 2, in the course of time, verse 1, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? Now he's asking about travel plans. And the Lord said, go up. And David said, where shall I go? And the Lord said, to Hebron. You get to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 18. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? You find it again in chapter 5, verses 22 to 25. And you see in Scripture, here's the point. I hope you got it. The pattern of David's life, even though he made the terrible, terrible mistake that cost Uzzah his life, the overall pattern of his life was, Lord... I want my steps directed by you. Now, before I move on, let's think about that. You know how many decisions you and I have to make in life that you cannot go to a book of the Bible and a scripture and it tell you specifically what the answer is? I wish I had a book of the Bible. I wish I had a scripture that said to me years ago, Mary Wendy Robinson. If I'd had a scripture that said Mary Wendy Robinson, I'd have known what the will of God is, and hopefully I would have just followed the will of God instead of being engaged to Wendy Robinson on three separate occasions. It was painful <laughs> for both of us. You can't find a scripture to tell you what kind of house to buy. You can't find a scripture to tell you how much to pay for that house. You can't find a scripture to tell you where to live, what job to take. There are a lot of decisions in life that you just don't have a specific scripture. That is why we have passages like James chapter 4 confronting us with independent planning, making decisions in life without considering the Lord. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. I've told you before, I'm going to remind you again, whether you like it or not, my mother and my grandmother, my grandmother practically raised me because of my mother being a single mom for a, year, for a few years anyway. Uh, and anyway, my mom and my grandmother, they didn't leave me one red cent, not one red cent. And I'm not concerned about that because they left me something far more valuable. They left me examples of women who knew God. They passed on examples of women of faith. And I, I, I can hear it. I can hear both of them. And they did this regularly, regularly, either beginning a sentence or ending a sentence. Here's what they would say. The Lord willing. 
the Lord willing. The Lord willing. They wanted God's direction in life. They wanted God's blessing. They didn't want to move and make decisions without the Lord being in it. There's a great proverb. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Now, come on, say this with me and think about what we're reading here. Are you ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Isn't that a great scripture? That's a good one to put to memory. In all your ways. God is concerned about the decisions we make in life, about what house we buy, about what car we buy, about what, what direction we take, what job we take, where we live. He's concerned about those things. Now, you don't have to go crazy with it and every minute of every day be afraid to take a step. That's not what God wants. But the overall pattern of one's life, we want to consider the Lord. Lord, I want to acknowledge you in this. And if you don't want me to move, Lord, Lord, you show me. And sometimes it's just a lack of peace. If you don't have peace in a decision, don't, don't, make, don't move. <laughs> Where do you have peace? If it's in clear violation of the word, well, obviously, don't move. Now, here's where we are. Fighting and quarreling, slander, and independent planning. Did you know that every one of those have a common denominator, at least something in common, every one of them. You know what it is? Every one of them involve the tongue. I know we've already talked about the tongue in, in, in James, but here it comes again. Fighting and quarreling involves the tongue. Slander involves the tongue. Making decisions in life and saying, let's go here and let's do that. No, all involves the tongue. But you know what? Not only is that in common with all three, I'll tell you what else is in common with all three. Every single one, and they're all sin, by the way, they're all sin. Every single one is a result of pride. Everyone. But let me tell you the good news. There's one last thing that's in common with all three of these sins, and that is that the cure for them is right in the text. And I intentionally skipped over it, and now we go back to it. Remember what I said, I believe, the interpretation and translation for verse 5 should be that it's speaking about our natural base nature? That makes sense as well when you read that, and then you go to verse 6. But he gives us more grace. Thank God for grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, we're not going to take a lot of time, but there are four specific things there. I think the first thing is not the first one in order, but I think it's the first one that should happen and does happen before the other three, and that is I've got to realize my sin, an emphasis on sin. Until we see it as sin 
we don't get serious about it. Unless I see that my fighting and quarreling, it's a problem with me, no matter what they did, no matter what she did, no matter what he did. It's an internal conflict here that I got to deal with before the Lord. And I got to see it as sin. I got to see the slander as sin. I got to see the independent planning as sin. Godly sorrow, that's what needs to happen. That's what 2 Corinthians 7.10 talks about, produces repentance, repentance. And what does that look like? Well, one step on the way to real repentance is in the text, it's humility. Humility, you can put that up there, humble myself. What does it mean to humble yourself? When I humble myself, here's what I do in essence. I deny myself. I deny myself. And by the way, that is what Jesus said is a prerequisite for being his disciple. In other words, if I'm going to live the Christian life, here's what Jesus said. If you're going to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Third, I submit. And this is where the obedience comes in. Philippians 2 says, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient. Here's what it looks like. I'm no longer fighting. I'm no longer quarreling. I'm no longer running my mouth. I'm no longer doing the independent planning. If it's with my wife and we're fighting and quarreling or whatever it might be for whatever reason, and let's say it is her fault. But when I humble myself, realize my, my issue, humble myself, and I'll submit to God, guess what? The conflict with me, for me, is over. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but you're going to get crucified. <laughs> and very true, you may be crucified. You may be crucified. That's true. But you're at peace. You see what God's saying? You're at peace. You've dealt now with the, the conflict in you in you. And the conflict in me is what's causing me to go back at the conflict in them. And then one last thing. He says, resist the devil. James chapter one, reminder, verse 14, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. It's our own evil base nature that we have to deal with, but then we have Satan looking to entice us. What does that sound like? If you humble yourself and submit, you're going to be crucified. They're going to take advantage of you. If you do this, then they're going to get away with something. You need to keep pointing it out. No, 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 no. In other words, Satan's going to try to talk us out of doing the first three, or if we do the first three, he's going to try to talk us out of continuing to do the first three. He's going to try to take us back to the way it was, and there's going to be conflict all over again. And God's saying, resist him. Resist him. Draw near to God. You keep doing the first three, <laughs> and especially the middle two. Humble myself. Deny myself. Daily. Submit to God daily.
Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny's been teaching through a series in the book of James. How do you know if a tree that's supposed to bear fruit is alive? Well, that's simple. You see it producing fruit each year and doing what God intended for it to do. The story is the same for you. How do you know if your faith is real, genuine? This will be known by all the spiritual fruit that you produce in your life. So is there life happening in your heart or has that seed just been planted? The book of James calls you to take your faith and let that seed grow and become something beautiful that overflows with fragrance and sweetness clearly coming from God living in you. Keep tuning into this series and learning the truth that's revealed in God's Word. Would you also be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're constantly in need of His guidance, so please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thank you so much for praying about this. Also, do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Just go to ccfstpete.church to get more info. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again for Pastor Danny's next message right here on The Living Word.